This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Hey there. We at Blue Wire just wanted to take a second to thank you for listening to this podcast. We know everything outside is pretty scary and uncertain, but we're committed to helping you get through your day by talking about the sports and teams that you love most. If you're looking for more great podcasts to distract you, check out bluewirepods.com. Thanks for listening. Enjoy the podcast and stay safe. Blue Wire. The Boston Celtics select Jason Tatum. Round of the break for the Celtics goes around the world. Oh, the circus game in a Boston. Walker for three. Kemba Walker from downtown. Tatum drives down. Let's throw it down. Wow. Rebound. Gordon Hayward for two. Gordon Hayward with a corner crash. No block. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Geno Time Podcast on the Blue Wire Podcast Network. We're brought to you by Bet Online. I'm Tom Westrom of MassLive.com, joined by Nicole Yang of the Boston Globe and Chris Grenham of Forbes. Chris, Nicole, how are you guys doing? Chris is sporting a mustache. I am, and I'm still uh, unsure about it, but I am sporting it. I'm wearing a hat. Grenham is not wearing a hat, but we are similar levels of scruffy. Yes, after, very uh, much so. Two months of no barbers, which is a pretty devastating hit. Yeah. Uh, we're recording this on a Wednesday evening. Earlier this afternoon, Danny Ainge spoke to reporters for the first time since the uh, league shut down. So throw it to you two first. I mean, what, what were your takeaways from uh, Danny's conference call? Danny was in a very gregarious mood for yeah. the amount of uncertainty the league is facing. So that was kind of refreshing. I would um, say it was refreshing. I would also say that it got us off topic and it just like never really recovered. Jared Weiss, our boy, uh, the poor guy, like had like a very legitimate question about the draft. Is it tough to miss March Madness? Because like that can give you some idea of how guys deal under pressure. And Danny just immediately like switched. Like he was like, yeah, you know, I think sometimes we overrate that. But, you know, we're missing a lot of stuff. We're missing the Masters. And then, like <laughs> it just was like completely off topic. So, yeah, in terms of productive things, he said, well, that seems kind of harsh. In terms of <laughs> draft related things, he said, um, he said that they're preparing for the draft as if it's happening June 25th, but they don't anticipate that that will be the case. I wonder when the league will have to make an announcement on that. I think someone had said that that was not going to be determined until they determined the, like, the fate of the rest of the season. So I think it'll oh, come wow. after well, they determine what they're going to do. Here. That's the only thing they can do because draft yeah. night yeah. trades have to happen. Like, right. you, you can't have the draft and not allow draft night trade. So the season has to be over in, in whatever direction that ends up going. Yeah. Something else I found really interesting from Danny's call was that how they were dividing it by conference in terms of how they watch prospects, how I they just pick really a conference. Yeah. And then his team, which I assume is just like scouting in the front office, just 
bang out like that film for the day and then the next day they do another conference as opposed to dividing it maybe by pick or like area of the draft. I found it interesting that they were doing it conference to conference. I think that's really smart because I think going conference by conference, you can just make your own list, right. have your own rankings. We know the Celtics believe in their own rankings. You know, they, they have strong opinions, you know, and they're quite good at it too. So I think that's kind of a really interesting way of avoiding just going by somebody else's mock draft and letting that sort of set the table for you. Instead, you're just making your own table. I think the head-to-head matchups are probably pretty cool too because you're all evaluating the same group yeah. of guys. And you're seeing, a you know, in the average conference, you're seeing at least two head-to-head matchups per film set. And so I think that creates some interesting dynamics, too, because you can see if you're debating between two guys, well, you're going to have at least two games where they're facing off head-to-head. So that was one of my other thoughts when I heard that. But I think it's a great way to go about it. I think it's pretty cool. I enjoyed the uh, the question that was like, that basically amounted to, did anybody go AWOL? Yeah, yeah like, can you, you find everyone? <laughs> like, Rob Williams at a Buffalo like, I feel like the subtext <laughs> of that was, has Rob Williams been responding to text yeah. messages? Yeah. And there was more Rob Williams subtext when Danny was like, yeah, you know, some guys are better than others. Some guys, you know, take a little bit. You yep. have to go reach out to them. Yep, exactly. Like, that was awesome. Yeah, the exact quote was, some players are better than others at doing things on their own and doing extra work. Some players are more compliant than others. Some are harder to reach than others. It was like, oh, yeah. <laughs> like, let's, uh, let's do this again. Some players are better than Rob Williams at doing things on their own and doing extra work. Some players are more compliant than Rob Williams. I haven't Rob talked Williams to Rob Williams, to Williams since than last others. Monday. <laughs> uh, God bless Rob Williams. I miss that guy. We're going to take a quick break, hear from Bet Online, and when we come back, Granham and I are going to debate the draft. So we'll be right back after this. With currently no NBA, NHL, or MLB, you might think there's nothing to bet on. Well, you'd be wrong. Our exclusive partner, Bet Online, still has hundreds of events, games, and props to wager on. From their online casino to poker and blackjack, they're bringing Vegas to you. Missing the NFL? No problem. Bet Online has live daily Madden NFL 20 simulations you can bet on. You can still bet on Survivor, Big Brother, American Idol, stock prices, and even the Nathan's Hot Dog Eating Contest. All open 24 hours a day and all online. Use promo code BLUEWIRE to join today and receive your new welcome bonus. Bet online, your online wagering solution. All right, so Tom and Chris have each prepared three hot takes about the upcoming draft. They're going to each say their take and then also rate it from one to five with five being the hottest and one being just like whatever. So Chris, as the guest, why don't you say your first take? All right. My first take, which will get some attention from Tom, is that Nico Manian is a second rounder. And I would say that I'd say that should be like a four or five. And I'm not just saying that to go at Tom like – Okay, like I understand Nico's a good passer. Like he's arguably the best passer in this class. Like he is he is a great passer. And I get for some people he is in the lottery area. I just I really don't see it. His frame concerns top my list and I think the frame concerns paired with a lack of athleticism like really limit him defensively. Like some guys, if they're smaller, if they're a little explosive or a little athletic, that can help them make up for some things defensively, like help them in closeout situations and that sort of thing. I don't think Nico really has anywhere to like to go back on. Like his size stinks. He has okay activity. Like I'm not saying he's a useless defender. If he stays with his guy, he's fine. 
but he just doesn't really have any versatility on the defensive end, which really concerns me. Yeah, he's smart in the pick and roll, but like if you're going to take him high, I think there are better options. Tom, you've been trying to sell me a lot on Nico, and it has worked to some degree. But I think what I ultimately came down to was the fact that if his stock is falling like some evaluators have it, I think he could really benefit from that, honestly. And I think he could be a successful NBA guard if he drops in the first round. You know what I mean? Because if he does fall into a a good situation where he can be like that third guard kind of role, I think he could be relatively effective. If he lands in a crappy spot, he's going to fizzle out like very, very quickly. But back on the take of him being a second rounder, I just think if you're going off of guys who have good court vision, they're good passers and they operate well in the pick and roll, I think there are better first round options. Okay, so I have many thoughts. Um, <laughs> all right, so starting on the defensive end, the frame is, is, is a problem. There's no question about that. Is he like an inch and a half shorter in his wingspan than he is? Yeah, his yeah, wingspan is like negative almost, yeah. It is negative. Yeah. A counterpoint to that would be that Tyler Hero's wingspan was negative. He's yeah. a pretty good player. Um, I like Tyler Hero's shot a lot better. As, yeah. Defensively, <clears throat> he's, gonna be, he's not going to be versatile at all. You're 100% right about that. I'm concerned about his closeouts and how he can't leave his guy. Yeah, like He, he can't help because he's guy. not going to be able to close out and get those tiny little arms up high enough to like, <laughs> contest somebody's shot. So I'm, I'm 100% with you there. I will say he's pretty light on his feet. You know, he, he's not like a, like a super, super athlete, but he's like relatively bouncy and he's, you know, he's got relatively quick feet. You know, he's not like the most explosive guy in the world, but like he can get up, he can dunk, he can, he can do like enough stuff that I think he's not going to be an elite NBA athlete, but I don't think he's like the kind of guy where you have, oh, I don't think he's an NBA athlete at all. I, I think he can hang. Where would you list him like right now? Like as it stands on a big board, I'm not talking like fits or anything like that. Like where would you have him? I would have him in probably the mid to late teens. I think even that's like a little high, but I, but it's better than someone having him at like 13. Like I do not see yeah. him in the lottery because I definitely think there are better picks up there. I can be sold on him in the twenties for sure. Like I can get there toward the mid twenties or so, but anything above that, I just think from a good passing pick and roll perspective, because those are really, would you say those are his best assets, right? I, for sh- sure. I think he's going to be a good shooter though. I know, I know he didn't have, like, a great percentage at Arizona from three, but, I mean, I, I think I believe in his shot. Yeah, I just worry about him. Like, he can't create his own shot. I mean, because he's not – he doesn't really sure. have that burst. And, I don't know. He doesn't really have an off-the-dribble burst that really can help him create separation. But, but I would also say that, like, it's underselling it a little bit to just say, like, oh, he's, like, good in the pick-and-roll because that opens up so many things because it's not no, just totally. that, he's, that he's good in the pick-and-roll. He can kind of – he can't create his own shot, but he can create his own shot after he gets the screen. Because right. he's just so in control. He does such a nice job of, like, getting to his spot. You get to your own spot, you slow down, the game feels very slow, and he gets his floater up. He can hit from the mid-range. You know, he can read correctly coming around the screen from three-point range. And I think all of that isn't – it's not creation because it's not isolation, obviously. You've got help from somebody. But that help is almost always going to be there in the NBA because mm-hmm. everybody's just running pick-and-roll and pick-and-roll and pick-and-roll. And, pick and, and I also think that, obviously, dribble handoffs – operate pretty much the same way as a pick and roll so I, I think that he would be pretty effective in, in those type of things too if you've got a big playing up I think that's fair he is really good at reading on the fly that fell off a little bit in conference play I would say but still like relatively like solid and there's definitely there's projectability there I mean he played one year in college like obviously there's, yeah, right. gonna, be, there's gonna be lapses against better competition all right Tom hit us with your first hot take all right let's keep this battle going <laughs> Paul Reed <laughs> my my uh my my rating for this take is a four or five as well. 
And my, my take isn't really a take as much as a, what do you see in this guy? <laughs> like, I, <laughs> I am not high on Paul Reed. So Gretham really likes Paul Reed. He watched a lot of him at DePaul. So I, I get the, the positives with Paul Reed. I mean, he's obviously, he's super long. There, there are a lot of things there that I like. I think his, his form on his jumper is kind of compact, despite the fact that he's so long, which mm-hmm. is kind of cool. And, you know, I, I like that he has a bunch of different skills. Like, I like that he has good hands. I feel like he's got good hands from the film that I was watching. I'm just like, what is he trying to do, like, literally all the time well, like on a basketball court? You put it best in a text message to me last week. He really tries to do the absolute most a lot of times. All the, the time. Yeah, all the time. And I get that, and it is a little – it's quite drastic at times and a little overwhelming. My hope is that, that he won't even have the ability to do that because down the stretch, DePaul just sucked. And I think he, offensively, he just kind of went like, all right, like I'm just going to do my own thing here. Like I don't really care what's happening because this is a sinking ship. Defensively, though, my value with him is as that defensive spark plug off the bench because he's a pure, like raw disruptor. And if I think if he were to land in a good defensive system at the back end of the first round I just think there's more value in finding a long athletic defensive playmaker late in that round because this draft it, oh my god it gets so bad at the back end of this first round in early second so, so at one at some point I was just like you know what give me Paul Reed I don't care <laughs> two things one the, the uh the, there's some Rob Williams with him where it's like definitely, there's so many definitely. tools and it's like oh well, maybe we can mold him into something the difference is I think that Rob is willing to be molded. And I wonder if Paul Reed is going to be willing to be molded because it's pretty clear that he thinks he can dribble and he thinks he can pass. And he thinks yeah, he can that's, things that he can't that, do. That's the bad part about playing for DePaul. Like there's not many rules there. So like, you just <laughs> kind of like if you're somewhat good, they're like, yeah, Paul, you got the keys, man. Just go. You're basically Giannis. You yeah, should dribble the ball up the when you get a rebound. You. Yeah, go. But my least favorite play that I saw him do, and it just like literally made me want to throw my TV out the window. He got a rebound, and it was this like contested rebound, and he just like you know he really like battled it out, gutted it out, and I was like, right. wow, was he's really pretty nice. good on the glass. He he's yeah. his, like lanky frame. He's actually kind of good on the glass. And he was going hard after it, and I respected that. I thought that was good. And then he, he actually, like, came up with the ball, and there were, like, guys all around him, and he kind of spun away from the defense. I was like, oh, okay, this is kind of cool. And then instead of <laughs> passing to the point guard who was next to him, he could have just given it to the point guard whose job it is to dribble the ball up the floor. He just, like, gallops away, dribbling the ball himself, like, basically at his chin, which, like, you know, I mean, he's, what, 6'11", like 6'10"? He's very six, tall. Yeah, 6'9", six, 6'10", six, yeah. Okay, 6'10", yeah. Like, he, so the ball is, like, way up here, and he's, like, he's completely out of control. Um, he Sounds sees, like my guy Paul. <laughs> he sees another guy coming up the floor next to him, and he's like, I should get him the ball. And instead of just bouncing the ball like you can do, you can just throw a bounce pass. He's like, I'm going to throw this behind my back. Yeah. So, yeah. Like, See, the it, problem is with DePaul is like straight that, out of bounds. That'll so, hap- that's going to happen. And Dave Lito is going to be like, good work, Paul. Like, we'll get him next time. <laughs> I just, I, my notes on him, the first six things on my notes are just like, what is he doing? He's trying to do too much. I hate his shot selection. And like a bunch of words that I'm not going to say on the podcast, <laughs> culminating with, man, I don't like this guy, LOL. Those are the notes that I have written down on here. So my I'm, hope, my hope is that at the back end of the first round of the early second, which he'll probably, I think he goes like mid early second, realistically. I think if he does fall into a good defensive system, he could actually be pretty productive. 
if he doesn't, it's going to get bad really fast, <laughs> like really, really fast. Granum, hit us with your second hot take. Also, I'm not really contributing to the conversation as you listeners have probably <laughs> noticed because I don't know much about the draft. We right, sent so- <laughs> all of these prospects to Nicole beforehand if she wanted to spend time on the... Tom's super secret YouTube channel. My super secret YouTube channel that cannot get shut down under any circumstances. If it so. does, my life is over and I'm, I'm going I'm, I'm to die of boredom and quarantine. Um, all right, so I will adjust some of these takes because we initially set out with five, then narrowed it down to three. And one of my five was, I think Paul Reed has some first round value. So, <laughs> so we'll push that one off to the side and I'll That's jump five. To, I'll jump to the most, <laughs> that is probably a nine. Uh, I'll jump to the most predictable one here just to get this out of the way, which Tom probably knows is coming. I think Sadiq Bey should be a top 12 pick. I think he's definitely, definitely, definitely like I'm strong on this take. Should be a top 12 pick. I think the way this first round is going to shake out, I think he could be the Celtics' best option at 17 because I think other 3 and D archetype type guys like Devin Vassell, like Nesmith, some of those guys, I think, I mean, who really knows, but I think they could be gone by 17. So I think if the Celtics hit with Sadiq Bey at 17, it would be golden. He's got one of the highest floors, I think, in this class. He's ridiculously versatile defensively. He's got a really, really nice defensive skill set, smart IQ on both sides of the ball. He shoots the ball with confidence. Um, He can contribute right away off the bench. Like, they could plug him in right away. He'd space the floor well. He's a good on-ball defender, but even more so away from the ball. He's really smart, which I think isn't all that common. There's a lot of good off-ball defenders in this class, at least in the first round, but that's not all that common with a rookie. So I think that would be pretty valuable to get. Uh, His versatility would fit really well with Stevens. He's really switchable. So I think that would fit very well. I I get he's not the greatest athlete, and I think that's probably knocking his stock a little bit. He's not terribly explosive. But I think a lot of his issues aren't really going to hinder what he's going to be asked to do for a team like the Celtics or wherever he lands. So I think in that regard, he should probably, in my opinion, be – well, in my opinion, he should go number one, but really (laughs) like a top 12 pick. Yeah, no, I, I have I have no qualms with this take. Um, I also I also kind of think that he will be gone by the time the Celtics pick. I think smart teams will be looking to pick up role players mm-hmm. rather than trying to draft their next star. You know, at least once you get past like the top four or five. I really like Sadiq Bay. I, I think I have two comparisons for him. One isn't so much like a direct like this is the player I think he's like. I think he's similar to Grant Williams, where it's yeah. there's nothing like spectacular about his athleticism about his physical makeup. I mean, obviously Grant was really strong, but you know, that it is what it is, but he's just like solid in the right place a lot does the right play a lot. I I think that in that way, they're kind of similar. The player comp that I would give for him is Robert Covington, Mm -hmm. where he's not the greatest one-on-one defender. Like Covington gets blown by. Yeah. His lateral amount is not not very good, but he's smart. He's in the right place a lot. He can shoot threes. He's strong. Like, I feel like Sadiq Bey is pretty strong from the, the, the film that I've watched. Like, I think he'll be okay in, in that way. So I would, like, look, if you're getting a player who reminds you of Robert Covington in this year's draft, top 12, that's very reasonable. I, 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 have, I have no issue with that one. He's, he's a good player, and, and I think he's going to be a very productive player for a long time. All right, Tom, your turn. My next one is Tyrell Terry. My take is that some team in the lottery is going to talk themselves into him, and he's going to go top 12. Um, I think so. When you watch him play, there are clear signs of somebody who, like, there, there's 
there's little elements in there of the type of guys who are going really high right now. Tyrell Terry can really like score and find guys out of the pick and roll. Like he's a really good player out of that. And I think that like when you try to project his shot, I like Nico's shot. I think it's pretty strong. I mean, Terry's is clearly very good. Yeah. He's going to be a good shooter. I mean, that guy can can pop. His finishing, I mean, obviously he's so, so small. He's very I mean, small. He's like, you know, 110 pounds soaking wet. Like he's just a tiny little guy that way. But his touch is really good. So, you know, obviously it's like, okay, like is he going to be able to put on weight, all that kind of thing. But I just think there's enough – not that, he, not that he is ever going to be Trey Young, obviously, but there's enough like little bits and pieces of Trey Young in his game that I'm like, I bet somebody could talk themselves into him in the top 12. Yeah, I was going to, when you said that, that kind of made me think like, I feel like Trey Young's offensive game and how it's panned out in his first couple of years, like that might benefit someone like Terrell Terry. You know what I mean? Exactly. It's not that he is going to be Trey Young. It's that right. the fact that Trey Young works and people weren't sure if Trey Young was going to work is going to get other people drafted. Exactly. And, and yeah. that's where I think Tyrell Terry comes in. Yeah. Kevin O'Connor had him ranked very highly. He had been, I saw him at the back end of some first rounds, but he was like, his range is pretty wide for the most part into where people have him. I watched a lot of him in the last couple of days. His mechanics are kind of wonky a little bit. That is a little concerning tied in with his with his size but I think if he can kind of hash out some of those things like he's a lights out shooter and he's yeah. pretty good like he can knock down contested shots pretty easily at least from what I saw that's definitely promising considering his size because if you're an undersized shooter you gotta shoot contested shots well or else it's just it's not gonna go well the guy shot nine like well not quite but 89.1 percent from the free throw yeah, line. From the line like he just he is and and that it goes in tandem shooter. with his 40.8 percent for three he is going to shoot the ball in this year's draft, when you talk about a floor and you talk about a guy who should be able to find a role off the bench because he's a lights-out shooter, yeah. like that is so useful in the modern NBA. At the base of it, plays hard, and he has a relatively good feel for the game. Yeah, And that's an important basis to have with a young guard, and he has both of those. A lot of the times there's a good lights-out shooter with a quick release who has no feel for the game. He just kind yeah. of plugs himself in the corner, and he doesn't really know how to let things play out. Yep, agree on all of it. All right. Uh, Last takes, Chris. Also, I think we've fallen away from the rating scale, but how hot is your last take? My Tyrell Terry was probably a three for the record. Okay, I think my last one is probably like a three-ish as well. I I think it'll be spicier for others than it is for some. I'm not all that high on the top portion of this class. I like LaMelo Ball. I'd take a flyer on him. Other guys like Anthony Edwards and Wiseman, I'm not sold on. So in that regard, I think it's kind of inevitable that Edwards goes in the top three. But I think that final third pick in the top three should go to either Isaac Okoro or Therese Halliburton. I I don't know. I just think those two guys are far more valuable than a guy like James Wiseman who, yeah, he's going to be – granted he's going to be fine and he's going to be good and like I I think but I'm not totally sold a guy like Okoro whose ceiling is lower but his floor is way higher I think you got to go with that defensive versatility he's going to be a really good smart role player he's good off the dribble he can get to the hoop so this is basically the Coleman this like three on the spicy scale take is like the culmination of my lean toward players with higher floors in this class and so that's kind of where I'm going with this one I love that take for several reasons. Number one, I'm just like kind of out 
on drafting bigs in like yeah, the top five. I don't, that's also very much part of this take as well. I totally, like if you if you get a cat, if you get an AD, obviously, but James right. Wiseman is not cat. And there are no cats. There are no ADs in this draft. No. When you get away from that and you start like looking at like, yeah, I like Okoro. I think yeah. he's a good. I think he's a good player. He's gonna defend his butt off. Like he's he's a good player. Right. And I mean, Halliburton is just he's just so smart. Like he's right. just he's kind of like a brilliant basketball player and like, that's really intriguing too. So uh, I love it for that reason. Um, and, and I, I'm like you, I like watch Wiseman and I'm like, I, I get it. I get it. He is a large individual who <laughs> like has moves. elite TikToks. <laughs> Why don't Nicole, you Nicole, can you weigh in on James Wiseman's TikToks? <laughs> you sent them to me. They're good. You're actually they are good. Them. They're funny. And they're like little original skits. That's the best part. Like one of them, he goes, Siri, call my girlfriend. And then Siri comes back and says, which one? And then he sets up the music to like, damn, it feels good to be a gangster or something. <laughs> They're very good. They it's are, just like yeah. incredible that he, I don't know if he came up with this or someone have told him, but either way, the execution is like on point. Like if somebody else came up for came up with him, he still acted it perfectly. He has the exactly. right face and everything. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if I don't know if Okoro or Halliburton are elite TikTokers, but um, I can get back to you guys on that one. <laughs> yeah, mm. poor, poor scouting on your part, but for <laughs> Tom, your mm -hmm. last take. All right, this is this is a five. This is, oh this is shit! Spicy. Oh boy! Oh boy! This is spicy. All right, he is not by any means the best player that I have ever watched um, as a, as a prospect by any stretch of the imagination. Cassius Stanley is my favorite prospect I, that I have ever watched. I knew it was going to be a Cassius Stanley. Take. I, I knew love it. Cassius Stanley. I love him. He's awesome. All right. But, but, before, before you go on with that, in if someone says they've watched Cassius Stanley and haven't had a good time, they're lying. They're lying. So He's they so are much lying. fun. He is objectively fun. Like there is nothing that that guy is so much fun, and I am completely on board with that take. Like, all right, so going through Cassius Stanley a little bit. Obviously, played for Duke last year. Um, you know, good size for a wing. Uh, you know, he's he's a little bit older <laughs> due to the fact that he was in uh, high school for four hundred years. But he is just like truly an otherworldly athlete. I mean, he's he was bounce. He's bouncier than Zion Williamson, um, which should tell you a lot. And he's just, he's got this, this way about like, like using that athleticism. It is so functional. Mm -hmm. Like he uses it constantly. Um, when he gets out in transition, you're not catching him. And even if you catch him, he's just going to jump right over you. And even if he doesn't dunk it on you, he's, you know, he'll just lay it right yeah, in. Nice touch around the rim. Yeah. He really does. And just mm -hmm. like some of those dunks are just violent. You know, he, he's got that thing that a lot of super athletic guys have where when they elevate for a layup, he just stays in the air so long that he other floats. guys are going he's down. Yeah. He's, he's floating. He's just yeah. up there. Like, I think, I think also like all of that is completely true. His athleticism is like ridiculous. It's out of this world. But I think a lot of his like crazy dunks and all that stuff, almost from a fan standpoint, like might give him a bad rap because he is actually a very good defender too. Like yeah. he's a nightmare matchup for a lot of guys just because he's like one of those in your face, like annoying defenders and he's also laterally extremely quick. Yes. And so he can stay with guys on the perimeter really well. So I think that's a nice addition to his game that is going to help him at the pro level and that a lot of people don't really see because they're just paying attention to him jumping over the backboard, which right. is all nice. <laughs> Very nice. <laughs> yeah. so, 
there's obviously like all right so just like some of the knocks against him obviously there's questions about like you know his form it's kind of weird he just kind of like jackknifes toward the, like when he shoots like kind of his feet do weird things yeah, like, don't, yeah. like they come like way forward like it, sometimes you know when he's shooting threes it looks like he's trying to get more power behind his shot mm-hmm. almost which is strange I was watching it the other day and with my roommate and it's almost like when you're watching like a youth basketball game and there's a kid who's much smaller than the other kids. So he has to like shot, put the ball out there. It's like, he's trying to get all his energy behind the shot. In but a the upper body way. isn't bad though. That's no, 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 no. Not like the actual, it's just getting the energy behind the shot. Like, yeah, it, exactly. Cassius's mechanics, like up top, I don't really know terribly much about them, but like those are fine. It's really like he kind of kicks his legs out a lot. Exactly. Sometimes yeah. when he's shooting, it's just kind of random. A little, little bit of a Jay Crowder shot yeah. to it, like the way yeah. that Jay Crowder, and like it's messier than Jay's yeah. was, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, but that being said, he shot 36% from three and 73% from the free throw line, which is fine. I have no issue with those numbers. So it's not, he's not Tony Allen. No. You know, and he's obviously he's not Tony Allen as a defender. Like Tony Allen was a complete dog, but like, right. I mean, as athletic as Tony Allen was, he's more athletic. And mm. I think his offense is, is more advanced than Tony Allen's was. Um, I, I kind of like, this goes two ways. I kind of like his post play. I like that little like jump stop kind of like turn around, like yeah. thing that he it's does. Quick, it's quick. It's very quick. And, yeah. and, I, and obviously he elevates so high that being said, and this gets into the, one of the things where I think it is a real issue. His handle sucks. It's bad. It's, it's bad. so bad. It's like, yeah, it reminds me of Jalen's when he, he was coming out of Cal. Like kind it, of, it's, yeah. It's bad. It's just like very clanky. It's Predictable. Because he always yeah. tries to go to that spin move and he coughs it up 85% of the time. Yeah, it is a garbage spin move. It is bad. It's, it's bad. So that is definitely an area of improvement. I'm For sure. But I will say, so if you think of him, think of him in terms of like a rich man's Javante Green. Yeah. defense super super athleticism and a better shot than you would kind of expect for maybe right. from like the corners maybe an open above the break three i i just i think there's something there man i would yeah. take him you know i would take him in the 20s comfortably like in a in a class where you know that like you're not getting a star um you know maybe outside of like the top five or to like somebody that you get lucky with in the second round um you know if you can if you can pick somebody up who has something that is so far above other NBA players. Like his athleticism is like, is otherworldly for the NBA. Yeah. Like take a flyer on it. Why not take a flyer? Why not, man? I do get that. Yeah. Yeah. I guess my hot Celtics related take is that they should snap him up at 26 if he's there. I, I really think they should. And that's not just a, because I would then get to watch him 82 games a year. I, I, I genuinely think he would be a good, I, I think he's got the potential to be a very, very solid two way wing. And like, One, we know how much the Celtics like that. And two, we know how valuable that is in the modern NBA. All right, we will leave it there. If you made it to this point in the podcast, please consider giving it a five-star review on iTunes. That would be greatly appreciated by Tom and myself. Cassius, if you're listening to this, uh, I just talked you up so much. I think we deserve a review from you. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Thank you, Chris, for coming on again. No problem. We will hear from him again. Sadiq Bey, if you're listening, I love you. (laughs) Um, But yeah, thank you all so much for listening, and we will talk to you on Monday. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.